Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Welcome back, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. We are going to jump right to the phones here uh, with Rich in Indiana. Where in Indiana, Rich? Uh, down south of Indianapolis. Very nice. I've got family in Indianapolis as well. Always glad to talk to a Hoosier. What's on your mind? Well, the moon is big in the sky tonight. That's beautiful. Uh, I I was uh, thinking as you were speaking with Representative Byer that um, there were two things that uh, had been in the, the last couple of months. First was a statement that uh, I'm recalling with these truth, trust, and democracy are at risk because of AI's abilities as they would be put to influence uh, by fraud uh, social media. We are uh, just you know at a precipice. And uh, I was um, thinking about how Meta had uh, discovered all of its fake accounts uh, that were these pro-China messaging accounts that uh, was in the news stream today. And what are you going to do? The other concept um, within the AI issue is a book that uh, came out back in March. Uh, The title is The Battle for Your Brain, Defending the Right to Think freely in the age of neurotechnology. The idea that AI has the ability with something like uh, social media to respond to uh, the way people are thinking and basically outthink us because of the powers of social, excuse me, the powers of AI as you put a question to it. It's like, get ahead of these guys. What should we do? Oh, well, that would be simple. This and this and this. It's like, wow, that's brilliant. Let's do it. And they do because, you know, there's, there's money to be made or, or there's, uh, um, <laughs> there's revolution to foment. And uh, so this book, um, The Battle for Your Brain, uh, highlights this concept of neurotechnology, which is actually – like reading thoughts, there was that story, um, oh, I guess it was maybe less than two weeks ago, uh, another brick in the wall was the music that they were able to reconstruct with uh, brain data. They weren't using yep. 
the song itself. It was like we're this is this is electrodes on somebody's brain. They're listening to Pink Floyd, and this is what we can reinterpret their brain signals into. In other yeah, words, and this is where we are today. I mean, the concern I yeah. have is where we are in ten years when this has well, billions I, more dollars invested in it. I think we're already there, maybe. <laughs> You know, and I mean, you're absolutely right, though. I mean, there are are actively misinformation operations going on right now that are just using the sheer volume of AI to try and Mm -hmm, flood the mm -hmm. zone with disinformation. It doesn't necessarily, as we see with MAGA, doesn't have to be good to fool people who aren't eager to think anyway. I think that's a brilliant perspective that that really needs to be highlighted. Um, the, The capacity of people to be fooled only seems to get bigger. (laughs) There is nothing more dangerous than AI selling you something you want to believe is true. Yeah. Yeah. Confirmation bias. Is that the term? It is. Now we have to jump to a quick break. I apologize, Rich. Uh, This was a great point, though. I agree with you. When we come back, we're going to have more calls and we're going to chat with my next guest. Stick around. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example, the oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, and I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight, because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. Welcome back, folks. Thanks for staying with us here on Tell Me Everything. I want to get a message out here before we do anything else. This is just a reminder to any of the listeners tuning in from Florida. It now looks like Hurricane Adalia is rapidly gaining strength ahead of making landfall tomorrow. It's now a Category 4 storm, and that is no joke. Now, I never agree with Ron DeSantis on anything, but he's calling on Floridians in the path of this thing to evacuate. So please stay safe out there. Follow the instructions of public officials. Despite what my mother once said to us as kids, there's not actually a medal for riding out a hurricane instead of going someplace safe. So please take care of you and yours. Now, I know we've got some folks waiting on the line forever. So I want to jump into a call real quick. 
You can also join the conversation at 866-997-4748 or hit me up on Twitter at the Max Burns. Let's jump over to Jeff in Los Angeles, who has some thoughts I think I agree with on the political literacy state of many of our colleagues in this country. Jeff, how are you? I'm great. Uh, well, hearing you, I'm, I'm great. Very concerned about this country, and I don't know why people don't express that. People say, how are you doing? Like, we're in real trouble. <laughs> yeah, the um, answer is not great. No, I mean, we're in stupid trouble. And then people always will tell me, oh, f- focus on what, you know, your own life. I happen to work in uh, homeless services, and I'm like, do you not understand that? I mean, I work with some really dedicated people, but I don't, they don't necessarily, they don't see the whole picture. And I go, don't you understand the HUD, how that trickles down, what Maxine Waters is doing? I mean, people have no idea, and the political illiteracy is now at its uh, zenith. It's reached it, its place in America. It's defined America, I think, now with what's going on with Trump. And yet I'll listen to Smirconish from time to time and he discusses it somewhat analytically. I mean, I don't, I don't actually I don't think very analytically. He, he's more interested in the strategy of it. And it's like, do you not understand what what's happening? Like, I mean, it, anyhow, I, I just I, I the word socialism gets thrown around. And um, the only other thing I, I wanted to say was. I watched a debate. I was lucky enough to find uh, Gore Vidal against uh, William Buckley. And although, of course, Vidal is amazing, spectacular, yeah, classic, he didn't even have a college degree. And of course, Buckley, you know, spoke spoke well. He was still incredibly. Buckley was still incredibly. Uh, there was nothing there. It's a chasm, and I think of the lack of substance, and that's how prejudice gets in there. And I, I always think of how, I, since a young, as a young child, I've always, except for my grandfather, was always told, "Oh, that's enough, Jeff. Let's not get into all that stuff." And and that's what's caused where we are now, where we have a politician who uses WWE, and I get blowback sometimes. I say he's not racist. I think because think, look at the the idiocy of the situation when you have Kanye West who's anti-Semitic coming over to see Trump who has had many, and I'm Jewish, had many, has many Jews on his staff and who's Jared Kushner's Jewish. And I'm no fan of Kushner by any means. It just amazes me. I, I just think we're in a battle of law versus politics now. And I don't know where it's going to end. That really is, is, I think, the case. I mean, Trump's policy and, and ideology seems to be more incoherent than anything. But as you know, that's that's not really new. I mean, you look at the Vidal Buckley debates and sure, William F. Buckley had, you know, a nice trust fund and a boat and a nice tie. But when he was losing those debates, he still threw anti-gay slurs at Gore Vidal. He threatened to punch him in the face. That that undercurrent of resorting to violence and attacks is really deeply embedded in this movement. It's just that under Trump, they've stopped caring about hiding it. You know, it's it really is not as if these people were any better 30, 40 years ago. And, and Gore Vidal called it. He said, this is where we would be. Yep. And although I can listen, listen to Buckley, at least, you know, like, you know, of course, I, I don't 
I don't subscribe to conservatism. I don't think people even understand Hobbes, Locke, Rousseau. That wasn't even in the debate. But Gore Vidal foresaw where this was going. But even Buckley himself, when he almost hit him and it was seen as a complete loss, was totally embarrassed. And to that day after, you probably know far more than I do about it, you know, hated Vidal because he hated himself for losing. And and both of them were mortified at what they saw at the Democratic convention. And I just think also of Clinton, uh, and I think of how he worked with the Republicans and Glass-Steagall and how, how so many Americans gave up and I don't know. I, I, we're we're just in a I'm really bad state, and then it, how how like Smirconish just analyzes it. It, it. It's a slow moving disaster. We're moving towards what Zimbabwe. What's his name? Who uh, just lost? You probably know his name. Unfortunately, who led that courageous battle in Zimbabwe? We're going to be there in ten years, right? No, it certainly is the case that Republicans now. It's very similar to Zimbabwe. They they have no use for democracy. This is, as, as Amanda Moore mentioned earlier, their gripe isn't with Joe Biden or with January 6th. Their gripe is with a system in which they can lose. And they will overthrow that system if they feel like it's being unfair to them, regardless of what that means for the other 350 million of us. And that should terrify everybody. I mean, it's it's stunning how few Republicans are really willing to call that out for what it is. And still, we don't have Mitch McConnell. George Will, I guess, spoke his piece a bit. And uh, uh, what's his name? Editor of the um, National Review. Uh, you know, they spoke their piece a bit, and that was it. But I even remember seeing that debate. I forget his name. He's a linguist. You probably know him at Cornell. And he said you wouldn't even see that debate now. But even then, you could see how like the you could see how specious it was almost Gore Vidal protesting it and putting on a real argument and I I just uh I always loved politics and I just don't know if I do anymore I I mean even C-SPAN seems sometimes lots of times is shallow and I just thank God for you hosting it I call in many times with John uh I think you had a, a very different uh academic most uh, mystique to this that's so important and and we've got to go for substance more i mean i heard mcconnish say forget substance <laughs> yeah they, they would really like that i mean i think the biggest trick republicans ever pulled especially these never trump republicans like bill crystal like george will have managed to convince people that there was ever a time when the republican party had a moral core as if Ronald Reagan wasn't laughing at gay people dying of AIDS, as if Richard Nixon wasn't jailing millions of black Americans for drug crimes he admitted they made up just to jail black people. I mean, show me where the moral core of that is. It's just that at the time, those people were in control of the party. What they're mad about now isn't so much Trump, but that they don't control Trump. They would make a deal with a Republican they felt they could control in a heartbeat. And they would never look back. And you would never hear from those never Trump Republicans again. Well, I mean, wouldn't even Nixon have trouble getting elected today? I mean, he, he founded HUD. He founded the EPA. He, uh, I've heard numerous discussion commentaries that he cared more about domestic policy. I mean, he created SSDI, you know, or SSI from the patchwork that it was. And, um, 
and yet, of course, I mean, I guess it was all leading to where we are now. And yeah, that there was that he was, and then Reagan, I guess, really feels it when he says the worst thing you can ever hear is I'm from the government. And I always said, then why are you running for government? So they want us to be in anarchy. Is that it? And the irony of that now is that you have Republicans in all of these states trying to ban abortion, trying to police transgender identity, making kids go to their parents and get signed permission to use a nickname. So now you have these far right Republicans knocking on your door saying, I'm from the government and I don't like the the name you call yourself. I mean, how did we get here? And you're absolutely right about Nixon. I mean, he wasn't even considered really a Republican at the time he died. The Reagan revolution wiped away any any of that moderate Republican nature. And Nixon, though, full of problems and certainly not an admirable character. I mean, he was was repelled by a lot of this this dirty deal that Republicans cut with the Christian right and saw it for what it was, which was essentially surrendering any policy focus to be entirely the party of grievance. And that that has blossomed into a rotten flower today. And Nixon could put together a full sentence. He was an intellect and by no means am I supporting him in the bombing. And, and, but there were reforms that came out of it that then we threw away. I don't know. I, I look a lot to Bill Clinton and I see so much coming also from that Bill Clinton making deals with Graham and Glass-Steagall and, and all this sort of the, the, the cynicism that you hear. Um, and thank you so much for what you brought about labor. I'm a union man. So I, um, Bless you. Strike, baby, strike. And uh, I hope Sean O'Brien, he, he, he they were trying to take away democracy with the Teamsters. Yeah. With not the real Hoffa. That was James P. As a person who he's my hero, James M. Um, Riddle Hoffa. I mean, people always look at me, and you know, but I, they don't even know that Nixon pardoned him and why, and none of that. But but I, his son is not him, and 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 what his son did and overturned a union election. Anyhow, so I I, I think our hope is with unions, and I just thank you for bringing that up. And I, I agree that a lot. Too. I agree. I appreciate your call, Jeff. And more importantly, I appreciate you keeping Thank up you. the fight, because as you make clear, man, it has always been a fight. None of the people in power have ever yielded an inch without being pushed. And that's on unions. That's on base Democratic voters, because Lord knows the Republicans aren't able to do it. Uh, now, let's let's amazing. jump over to, to Stephen. Thank you so much, man. Let's jump over to Stephen in Kentucky. Who, who clearly watched uh, Nikki Haley at the Republican debate and has some thoughts on that. Stephen, how are you? Hello, de- hello, dear. I have to, uh, but I'm sorry, before I begin, I have to correct some things that you all were just talking about. You Please, were, go for uh, it. I'm sorry, Richard Nixon. Uh, uh, Richard Nixon was part of the reason why we have the Southern strategy today. His grievances were. He wasn't the saint that, would, that uh, you all were just talking about. If I could for a moment, I want to point out that during the 1950s, Mr. Nixon was associated with McCarthy, he was, with Alger Hiss. That's how he started his career. Helen Gagan Douglas, I'm sure she'd take a very different viewpoint because he made her out to be the pink lady in 1950 because she was married to Melvin Douglas. He was an actor who happened to be Jewish, and that's why Nixon targeted 
um, her at the time. But I want to also point out, too, that in the 1950s, Mr. Nixon, as vice president, was for the civil rights movement. But in 1960, he was, along with JFK, he was, too. But after eight years later... In 1968, for whatever reason, Richard Nixon decided to be the opportunist that he always was. And if people don't believe me, I suggest you all look into the Nixon tapes because, you know, you know what the reason why he never challenged the election in 1960? Well, I'll tell you exactly why Dickie Nixon never did, because he cheated himself in southern Illinois by stealing votes. And if people don't believe me, I suggest you look at Haldeman and Ehrlichman's conversation with Richard Nixon from 1972. It's actually in those tapes. If you all have a chance to look at that book, I've seen it for myself. And so I just wanted to point that out. And by the way, as long as we're on the subject for a moment... I took a look at those results from 1960, and believe it or not, the state of Illinois should have gone half and half, because the yep. two, when you add up the, the scores from those elections, actually, it kind of balanced itself out. Richard Nixon, though, uh, interesting tidbit uh, in California, it should have gone ha- half and half in California, too, believe it or not. Kennedy got his home state in the landslide victory in Massachusetts, which, by the way, also was Henry Cabot Lodge's home state. That was uh, Nixon's running mate at the time. I just yep. wanted to point that out to set the record straight. I also wanted to point out, too, uh, the, the, uh, the caller who just uh, spoke, uh, with all due respect, dear, EPA, actually, the Johnson administration laid the groundwork for the EPA, uh, as they did with the Clean Air and Water Acts in the 19th, I think it was 65, the Endangered Species Act. And also, HUD was started under Johnson in September of 1965. Now that I said, now that I said all of that, a mouthful. Um, well, you, you're right. The, the this- EPA was a, was a Johnson plan, but that was that Nixon did sign that under Reorganization Plan 3, gave created well, the did. EPA. But you're right. You're right. He piggybacked yeah, he, on what progressives had done while vilifying the work they were trying to do. Well, and I also want to point out something else, too, because Nixon gets credit for the affirmative action, calling it affirmative action. We had affirmative action programs going back to 1941, June of 1941, to be exact, with FDR. I mean, Eleanor yep. Roosevelt was involved in that. And then also Presidents Roosevelt, Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, and Johnson, especially Kennedy and Johnson, employed a lot of affirmative action practices before that. They just didn't call it affirmative action. But Nixon's record on civil rights was not certainly great anyway. So it no, not of, at all. Uh, yeah, it really was. An, uh, they called him the White Men's Club. I believe that was Gloria Steinem who did at the time. Now, as far as this other story with uh, Ambassador Haley, you know, I was talking tonight with a someone that I happen to know who is an evangelical minister, and he brought this up. And it was a touchy subject with me being part of the LGBTQ community myself, because what I do in my personal life is none of anybody's damn business. And I don't put my personal life on a Christmas card and flaunt it around. And as long as I don't do that, then I expect people to respect my privacy, unless they want their privacy to be invaded. I would love to talk about Clarence Thomas's lack of sex life. You know, we could talk about that, or we could talk about some of the other closet cases out there, like Lindsey Graham, Graham Cracker, for instance. But that aside for a moment, 
I uh, understand that she's going around on the campaign trail and talking about how biological boys should stay out of the our girls' locker rooms. Well, first of all, if a biological boy ended up undergoing the operation for a sex change, that means that the boy is no longer a male. He is a female at this point in time, which means yep. that that female should be able to obviously compete in sports just like any other female. I'm sorry people don't like to hear that. I really am. I don't give a damn if you don't like to hear it. The point is, are we going to sit here? Are we going to tolerate discrimination? This is discrimination. You're saying to people that if they want to have a sex change operation, that somehow or another, what, they're less of a human being? Who the hell are these people to talk? Why don't you all spend time on your own lives? I'll tell you, we both know that privacy rights have only gone one way for Republicans, and that's to them and not for anybody else. But but surely you're not accusing Nikki Haley of being inconsistent. That's that's baffling. Well, I think the the woman who one day is a Trump supporter and the next day hates Donald Trump. Surely she's not inconsistent. Well, I think, uh, unfortunately, in our country, it seems like, and I do agree with the last caller with this, with Bill Clinton in particular, because it seems like in our country that the Republicans are the sadist and the Democrats are the masochist. That's what it seems like to a degree. Now, I will say this incumbent president that we have now, I am impressed with Biden to a certain degree. I think he's exhibited some backbone. I just pointed out to someone tonight who was criticizing him as an old geezer from grumpy old men, and he was mentioning the fact that uh, Mr. Biden is corrupt to the core. And I said, okay, show me where the hell the corruption is. All these Republicans who want to institute impeachment against this man, show me, put up or shut up. What is your proof? And also Hunter Biden. I keep saying all these things, these little whistleblowers that are coming out of the woodwork. My question for them is this. In 2014, it was the New York Times that broke this story. And get at the, and they're accused of being the liberal media all the time. They did in-depth research on this. The Republicans were in charge at that time and yet lifted no finger to probe further. And what kills me about this is for the first two years of Trump's administration, Biden was not even on that adversary list. Barack Obama was, so was Kamala Harris. But Biden's yep. name was absent. And what kills me is we all know why this is occurring, because Biden had the moxie to run for that office, for that Democratic nomination, and they have been after this man ever since. You want to talk about a witch hunt for a moment? They are the ones who are the witches, and I tell you, I have... I, it pissed I me agree off completely. If they I agree. They were, they were silent enough, for years until they needed the issue, and then they, they moved on. They were, Stephen, yeah, I love I'm you. Gonna... We got to jump to a quick break. Okay. Uh, I apologize. But no, thank you no. so much for the call. Okay. There is never a dull moment with you and to all our callers. Now, when we come back from a quick break, I'll be sitting down with Dr. Tracy Pearson about another crazy few days in American politics. You're listening to Sirius XM Progress. Stick around. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? 
more confident, capable surgeons, and even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey, everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. Thanks for sticking with us, folks. I'm Max Burns, sitting in for John Fugel saying here on Tell Me Everything. Now, I'm always partial to troublemakers in our political commentary world, and that's probably because I've worked in Washington, D.C. for years And I literally cannot tolerate any more dry beltway punditry. And it seems like people nationwide agree because they're turning more and more to a diverse cast of voices to give them their takes on the news. And I'm thrilled to be joined by one of the best, a woman of many talents, including publishing in Forbes, Fast Company in the New York Post, appearing on Cheddar News and News Nation, and so much more, Dr. Tracy Pearson. The good doctor has been kind enough to take some time away from her evening and chat with us about the headlines. And it's a real pleasure to have you here tonight. Hi, yeah, Max. It's great to be here with you. It is always great to be here on Tell Me Everything. I They have the best audience out there, and uh, it's a load of fun. So I'm glad it, to have you. It is. As you can see, our callers are the best, and I have so much fun with them. Now, I've been waiting all night to get your thoughts on this. The 14th <laughs> Amendment Disqualification Clause argument. We've seen this now come up from conservative and liberal legal scholars We've seen people in New Hampshire and in New Mexico and now potentially Georgia arguing that Trump may be disqualified from the ballot for his involvement with January 6th. And now that's getting dug into more seriously. What's your legal take on all this? Indeed, New Hampshire, uh, there was some talk that New Hampshire had decided to toss Trump off the ballot, and that's actually not true. Um, In New Hampshire, which is uh, my old home state before I moved to Los Angeles, they are looking at the issue based on a uh, joint statement between the secretary of state and the attorney general's office. Um, and my, my legal take on it is it is, it, it is a, it's something that warms our hearts. If, if we happen to be blue voters, because we, we desperately would like to see Trump not on the ballot. Most of us anyway. Um, and, and for various reasons, uh, mine is that he's not qualified, but just generally, uh, to be doing this job, an important job, mm-hmm. and we've seen that. Um, but when it comes to analyzing the 14th Amendment, it is, in particular, this provision, it is really um, broad. 
in in its there's really not a lot to sink your teeth into because um, it, what does it mean to engage in an insurrection? Does it mean that you were charged and convicted? Does it mean you just did it? Uh, what does it mean to bring aid and comfort to people who did? Does it mean that you held a fundraiser for their um, their legal fees um, for for you know their legal defense funds? Um, it, it's 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 not clear. And so it, it's one of these things that folks are charging into, hoping to grasp onto uh, in, in all the many ways that folks are looking at trying to um, hold Trump accountable. It's not just that we don't want him on the ballot. It's that we want him held accountable for what he did to our country. And this is one way to do it, which is you can't work here anymore. Yep. And this is this is a fairly untested, aside from, I think, one small case in New Mexico, very untested. But reading the, the Congressional Research Service, which is the nonpartisan uh, agency that helps Congress essentially make good law, they seem to say that you don't need a conviction in order to enact this, and that traditionally that hasn't been the requirement, which seems to me like then that becomes a political decision of each state, more or less. It is. And it is one that can be overturned. Uh, ironically, the, the statute calls it a, a disability. So the disability can can be eliminated by, I think it's a two thirds vote um, of Congress. And so um, it is one of those things that even if if you were successful in it, if if we don't have control where we need to have control, um, we we aren't going to maintain that because there's a whole lot of folks in Washington that um, don't share the same values as the blue side of the aisle. And, and don't we also sort of run the risk of this being used against Democrats in the future? If if MAGA Republicans, say, take a lot of secretary of state offices in the states, what would necessarily stop them from doing what New Hampshire's considering? Well, it, it what stops them is is the decent, uh, moral, ethical, legal uh, acumen of the people who are in those offices. And as we've seen, there's a lot of gerrymandering going on. There's a lot of wonky politics in, in states all across the country. And um, it is I mean, today we saw I think it was uh, one of the representatives in Tennessee, Pearson, be silenced for the entire day. Um, because of of uh, his his attempt to speak on behalf of his constituents, so it, that's an example of wonky politics in my my definition. Um, you're there to do a job, and you can't do it. Um, but the that's really what what stops us. And I think the other piece of this is that it, for blue blue folks, I, I call them blue folks. They're not sparse, um, but uh, they are. Um, it, we're okay with people being held accountable. If, if Joe Biden did something, we're all OK with that. Yep. We'll hold him accountable. Um, it's 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 that we don't want people playing by different rules than the rest of us. And we believe very much in that. And so uh, I think that that if if it warranted it, I think we could get behind it. Um, but but if it's being used as a weapon, that's not cool and that's not OK. And that's the danger. But it, it really comes down to individual behavior. And and the willingness of people to do the right thing. And and we can't seem to get around that in, in our country. I mean, right now, COVID is taking off again and and we're debating masks. Yeah, it seems like nothing has changed. And and you're right. I mean, we see Democrats have said consistently with Hunter Biden, if he's done something wrong, charge him, put him on trial. 
I mean, you don't see Democrats in the same way as Republicans saying, oh, no, there should be an entirely separate system of justice. And by the way, if you put Donald Trump on trial, we're going to get our guns and declare civil war on the government. It does seem like there is a Republican Party that especially enjoys using process as a weapon to get their way instead of serving people. I absolutely think that we need to retire the word Republican Party or the phrase Republican Party because they yeah. aren't the Republican Party. They are something, but they aren't that. And and they ought to have a new name so that we're not confused, because I think there's a lot of us out here who who grew up with the, the Republican Party. I was saying to my my husband that, um, it, that when we thought the Tea Party was bad. Holy crap. But this is this is different. This is just craziness. I mean, today I was reading an article that talked about how there are conservative groups that are going to attempt to implement Trump's vision of basically authoritarian rule. And I, that scares the bejesus out of me. It really does. I mean, we we were all upset when when Roe was was uh, overturned. And we're all upset over the the transgender uh, attacks and the LGBTQ attacks, um, and and all the limitations being placed in in on voting and and the gerrymandering and the nonsense. And the, we're all upset about that. But man, I can I can't even conceive of how how horrific our lives would be if that happened. If authoritarian rule was implemented, and and it, it's groups of people that want this to happen, and it, I'm seeing women that want this to happen, and it just blows my mind. Like you know, it, they don't get it. They don't get the politics behind it, and I don't know how we shift their minds to understand that this is not going to favor them. This will not favor them at all. Yeah, and it doesn't seem that they think that far ahead. Now, if you're just joining us. You're listening to Tell Me Everything. I'm chatting with my guest, Dr. Tracy Pearson, about the complete mental collapse of the Republican Party, basically. Now, there's a new line out there. It's one of the most unabashedly racist things I've ever heard from the GOP, which is saying something, that Donald Trump getting a mugshot will make him more relatable to black voters because Republicans seem to think all black voters are criminals. Listen to this clip, A8. The mugshot has breathed new life into the Trump campaign and broadened his appeal to black Americans. Over the weekend, with the help of mugshot merchandise, the Trump campaign raked in over $7 million. Today, my garbage man told me he's buying mugshot t-shirts for everyone he knows this Christmas. The mugshot's up on the side of buildings in the inner city. The 2016 phenomenon's happening all over again. Trump won that election because of a laser-like focus on the forgotten man. A bond was formed back then that can never be broken. And there's a new forgotten man, the black man. Democrats have forgotten about him. I, I just, I, I mean, are they serious, Tracy? Well, uh, they're serious enough to say it uh, on Fox News. Uh, that's, that's, they're serious enough to make that that part of their brand and and we've known it to be part of their brand before it's just you know it was it was the quiet thing that they didn't say out loud and now they've made complete utter stories of it and it's disgusting it's offensive it is i mean every word in that copy and you know this every word in that copy was specifically chosen inner yep. city a forgotten meant garbage man okay i mean it's it, it, it is so aberrant and so offensive 
that it takes a special kind of person to identify with with what they're saying and to agree with it. And those aren't the type of people that I want to associate with. I want to meet this garbage man and his family all in their Trump shirts. And Jesse Waters, the meathead that he is, ran this segment and ran it with a big picture of this mural being painted in Fulton County and failed to mention, though, that when the mural was done, it it was a starkly anti-Trump statement that was meant to show just how criminal that he was. But I think there is this this sort of deeper issue here of Republicans seem to think that all black people relate to criminals, probably in part because much of their policies for the past 50 years have been trying to lock up as many black people as possible. Yeah, because we're all, you know, they're all going to turn around and, and, and identify with with Republicans at that point. Um, it, it makes no sense. And, and the vast majority of folks aren't aren't going to identify. Um, it, it is just unbelievable that 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 is is how they're selling merch so that that they can pay for these legal bills. It's disgusting. It really is. I mean, it's just it is it is so disgusting that, uh, you know, I, I, I oh God, don't even get me started on Fox News. I mean, the local affiliates are are good, most of them. Um, and and, you know, they 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 put out factual information. But this stuff. This stuff is just they aren't worthy of being called a news organization at this point. They really aren't. And they passed that a long time ago before even Dominion voting systems. And it it seems now like the whole political world revolves around Georgia. And we have Mark Meadows trying to get his trial moved. Georgia Republicans trying to remove Bonnie Willis from office to stop her from putting Trump on trial. We have uh, Republican lawmakers there calling for civil war and bloodshed. Is there a risk that this all becomes so nasty and so bitter that it actually turns off voters who just see this and just think, I don't want any part of it? I think that what folks need to do and and anybody who's in earshot of my voice right now really needs to hear this, which is if you want to have have control of the White House and you want to have control of of the House of Representatives and the Senate and you believe in, in liberal ideas and policies, you need to start today in galvanizing the vote. You need to stop, not just, you need to listen to what, what we are saying on the radio and what we are saying on TV and what we're writing about, but then you need to do something about it. It is not enough to sit in your house. Go volunteer for campaigns. Go make calls for phone banks. Start raising money. This is going to be a fight, a huge fight no matter what happens in any of these criminal cases this is going to be a battle and we have to win this battle if we're going to maintain our republic and i've seen i've seen you have some thoughts on mark meadows too i want to get your thoughts on this i don't know if you saw mike pence's former chief of staff mark short on cnn but he just essentially corroborated bonnie willis's charges against mark meadows and all but said hey the guy did the crime he knew he was doing it at the time he did it for the president and I, I saw on, on Twitter, you've really been lighting up Mark Meadows. So I'd love to get your thoughts. I hate I hate stupid lawyers. I'm good with people who are zealous advocates for their <laughs> clients, but I hate dumb lawyers and I hate dumb lawyers that will just get wagged in whatever direction they want to wag in and, and for the buck. And and here's a good example of that in my my estimation is that Mark Meadows gets on stand and he testifies. OK, rule number one 
keep your client quiet as much as you can for a criminal case. Now, he tried to move this case into federal court. And so he had to take the stand to explain why this was under the color of federal uh, his federal office. Um, And when he got on the stand, I I went and I analyzed and Bremer wrote um, an article off of law blog, uh, lawfare blog. And and I took that article and I went through and I, I highlighted all of the judges questions. That's all I cared about was what were the judge's questions and what was Meadows' answers? And at the end of the day, I came down with, with the very distilled understanding of what the issues were here. And, and what I understood from Mark Meadows was that um, he was arguing that the state uh, you know, that, that, that the state elections, that the, that the president had some sort of um, a federal authority or involvement in state elections. And so the judge asked him, well, under Article 2, can you tell me what it says about the president's involvement in state elections? And he said, well, I, I don't know enough to opine. Now, he he self des- described himself as, as an advisor. And based on everything that we know about his testimony, um, he was a basically a renaissance grunt. I mean, he did everything and there was no bounds to his authority and his duties. And so but the one thing he didn't know is what Article two said about state constitutions. Right. So that was a problem for him. And then he proceeded to, to say things that were just implausible and plausible matters because the standard here is that it has to be plausible. And so um, one of the things he said was that he, he wasn't aware of what the Trump campaign's um, uh, you know, what the Trump campaign was doing in challenging the election. Are you kidding me? The guy sat on his couch, according to, to Cassidy Hutchinson and, and, and scrolled through his phone while people begged him for help to get the president to do something on January 6th. Are you kidding me? You're going to make that statement on the stand. So his credibility shot out the window. And then it kept shooting out the window every time he opened his mouth. And so right now where we are in this is that the, the judge has asked um, some questions at the end of the hearing, which was if if one of his, his, uh, his disputed um one of the disputed allegations in the indictment was under the color of, of federal his federal office. Would that eliminate um, his or would that make it necessary or mandatory for me to 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 accept this removal and, and take hold of this case? And they said no. And that's that's my read on it as well, based on Georgia law. Um, and so after the hearing, he issued an order asking for a brief by uh, August 31st from both sides on that very issue. Um, and the Georgia statute is just so broad and it doesn't require um, a pattern. It just requires what's called two predicate acts. Um, and they don't have to be one after the other. They can be completely unrelated to each other. Um, and so all you need is two. And um, his name appears in this indictment 11 times after the three times that his name appears in sort of headings. So 11 acts is what he engaged in. We only need two. So and these are, are really not even disputed. I mean, we've seen multiple people under oath testify that they were aware of them. So I, I what is what is Meadows's argument here that he was just just checked out all of January 6th? He just didn't didn't check his phone. No, it's it's that that he was just, you know, it was his job to to make phone calls. It was his job to sit in on meetings because Trump could ask you anything at any time. Um, it was his job to advise the president. And so he believed that all of these activities were were under the color of his office. Now, all of that is nonsense. It is just absolute nonsense. One of my favorite back and forth happens when um, Mark Meadows says that the um, that he was just making this phone call to uh, Rasperger in Georgia for uh, to determine whether 
um, uh, he could, you know, sort of broker a settlement, um, you know, to try to avoid litigation and and whatnot. And um, the judge asks Rasperger, um, can you tell me, was the Georgia election certified by the time he got that call? And he said, yes. And then he said, um, so there wasn't anything to settle? And he goes, I don't believe so, no. And so... <laughs> I mean, it is just unconscionable. And then there are photographs, which didn't come into evidence today, but there are photographs of Meadows really just yucking it up at the January 6th um, speech um, that preceded uh, the attack on the Capitol um, and in pictures with Don Jr. and whatnot. It is just obscene, the stuff that, that, that they're trying to pull here. And he's desperate and I get it, but going to federal court doesn't really help him all that much. Um, it's just a delay tactic and and frankly, very stupid because now Meadows is locked into every single thing that he said on that stand because all of that can be used against him in the trial. So I know Trump and his team really want this to go to federal court in part because it makes the whole thing pardonable by a Republican president. But do we end up seeing Meadows get his wish? Is this going to federal court or is this something a judge is going to look at and say, say, what are you talking about? I think based on everything that I read in, in the judge's questions, now we don't, I don't have the full transcript yet, but I, I was going off of this article. And um, based on everything that I'm seeing, I think he's looking to understand, can, can if one act was under the color of federal authority or his, his office, is that enough to, to justify the removal? And based on the reading of the statute, based on my reading of the statute, it isn't because she can say, well, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to give a superseding indictment and take that fact out. And now it, it doesn't justify it. She doesn't need all of the facts. She only needs uh, two facts and there are 11. Um, and so I think that it is, you know, if no federal court wants to take control of a criminal case, they got plenty of work. Um, and so there's a, a vested interest in, in the law and, and in policy for states to be able to handle their own cases. And so I think that what, 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 the judge is looking for is to understand the technicalities here because it isn't a statute he's familiar with. He's only familiar with the federal RICO statute. Georgia's is absolutely different than federal law. And so he wants to understand what the bounds are. And then what he wants to do, I think is, is I would, if I were the judge, I would have find that Mark Meadows was not credible based on the statements that he made, that there was contradictory testimony uh, by people who were credible and that the statute, just because he may be one act making a telephone call in theory might meet the plausibility argument. Uh, the remainder of, of his conducts doesn't meet the color of 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 his office uh, under fall under the color of his office. And therefore, it is not justifiable for a remand and that Georgia has an interest in uh, in prosecuting their own cases in their own courts. Oh, Mark Meadows, not credible. Imagine that. Tracy, <laughs> it's been such a pleasure getting the download from you here. Before we have to jump to break, uh, let our listeners know where they can keep in touch with you and get your political commentary. Absolutely. I am everywhere under Tracy Explains. I'm on TikTok. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on uh, Threads, Twitter. I refuse to call it X and, and all the other social media sites. Um, I also have a Substack, which is Dr. Tracy Explains. And you can also find me on my website, tracyexplains.com. Amazing. That was my guest, commentator and writer and attorney, Dr. Tracy Pearson. When we get back from the break, more of your calls and we'll wrap up the hour. That number again is 866-997-4748. You're listening to SiriusXM Progress. Stick around. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. 
But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Friends, I hope you'll join me on my audio podcast, Justice Matters. We talk about not only the legal issues of the day, but we also talk about the need to reform ethics in our government. Here's one example, the oath of office. You know the one. I do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's add 22 words to that oath. Quote, and I will promptly report any instances of crime and or corruption by government officials and employees of which I become aware. Friends, our democracy is worth fighting for. Join us in this fight, because justice matters. Look for Justice Matters wherever you ordinarily find your podcasts. Folks, believe it or not, we are rapidly coasting into the end of our third hour here on Tell Me Everything. I'm Max Burns, sitting in for John, and it has been such a pleasure to be with you tonight. Now, I've also been a pretty bad pundit because I haven't mentioned that you can follow me on Twitter at the Max Burns. You can read my work on Substack at maxburns.substack.com. And if you're in the mood to watch a little news, you can check out my YouTube channel, The Third Degree with Max Burns, at Third Degree Show. Now, I didn't mention at the top of the show, if you remember, it was exactly one year ago today that Ukraine's big southern counteroffensive liberated the city of Kyrgyzstan, and that's certainly on Ukrainian minds this morning. We've got some wild news coming across the line here right as we wrap up. The sun has been up in Ukraine for about 40 minutes now, and it appears that we're seeing the tail end of what may be Ukraine's largest ever drone raid into Russia. International media outlets are reporting explosions in five cities, including Moscow. But as with any battlefield reporting, I really strongly encourage folks to wait for multiple sources of verification before making any assumptions. Now, one place where we do have confirmation is in Peskov, where Russia is reporting four of its IL-76 transport aircraft have been downed. Now, the Biden administration has made pretty clear that they're on the fence about this whole thing. American defense officials really do not like the idea of Ukraine making these raids into Russia. They believe it shows a bit of mission creep, that it jeopardizes the simplicity of what Ukraine is trying to do in liberating those provinces. But that certainly hasn't slowed down the Ukrainians. The Russian military said this morning it has downed three Ukrainian drones in Bryansk, and one in the central region of Oryol, and Russia's TASS news agency uh, has reported that airspace above Moscow's Vinuvko airport is closed. 
This is the second time in just a couple of weeks that they've had to close these airports. And that is not just hugely disruptive to civilian travel, but with the entire nation of Russia now mobilized around fighting this war, every airport is also being used for military purposes. So any disruption here poses a real threat to, to what Russia is trying to do. Now, these drone raids have become an even bigger part of that Ukrainian effort as they're pushing to retake Russian-occupied territory in the South and the East. And that also comes now as uh, U.S. Secretary Anthony Blinken announces a new set of assistance for Ukraine in its fight against Russia. Now, that package includes mine-clearing equipment, missiles for air defense, ammunition, artillery, and small arms, all things that the Ukrainians are desperately in need of. One thing it does not include is cluster munitions. Those are the controversial weapons that uh, the Biden administration provided to Ukraine in order to ease their efforts against anti-personnel Russian forces. That was something that Biden took a lot of heat for, clearly not willing to push that again. But nevertheless, this marks another large investment from the United States in that war, a war that many Republicans have said they would either end and give Ukraine to Russia or would mediate and solve on day one, as Donald Trump and Vivek Ramaswamy have said. Now, also today, we saw the funeral of Yevgeny Prigozhin, the former Wagner Group head, who, along with four bodyguards, was among the 10 people killed when his Embraer 600 jet crashed under what the Russian media is calling unexplained circumstances, and what the rest of the world is calling a pretty blatant assassination by Vladimir Putin something that U.S. intelligence officials immediately suspected, because let's be honest, Vladimir Putin hasn't been very quiet about how strongly he felt about Prigozhin either. Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre of the White House gave the strongest statement she's done yet about the possibility that Putin was behind this killing, saying that we all know that the Kremlin has a long history of killing its opponents, and it's very clear what happened here. So I don't really see any wiggle room there. Nevertheless, Russia's intelligence agencies and air control agencies are investigating that crash. I'm sure whatever they come up with will be the absolute truth, unbiased by any Putin influence. Well, folks, that has been our show. It has been an absolute pleasure to spend three hours with you tonight. I've appreciated all of your calls. I've appreciated all of the notes, all of the tweets to Twitter. Thank you to Tracy Pearson for breaking down the Mark Meadows mess for us. We wish we could leave you on a happier note, but please stay safe. Tune to SiriusXM 512 for notifications on that upcoming Hurricane Adalia. I urge you to please again, stay safe. I've been Max Burns. Thank you so much for giving your time to us this evening. This has been Tell Me Everything with John Fugelsang, and thank you so much. 